podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This episode of Red Inca, we look at something slightly new to cricket, cricket scouting. And in order to do that, I only went and found someone who started their own cricket scouting magazine. I'm Ronan Alexander and I'm the creator of uh, Scouting Cricket. On this episode, we look at a few different talented players, but really what we're doing is breaking down how we need to look at cricketers going forward, where they fit in, what their skill sets are, not specifically batter, bowler or rounder, but where they can be used in different kinds of games. But we also look at five up-and-coming talents that you might be interested in. Tell me why you started your Scouting Cricket Network. I just think there's a kind of buzz about young players within sport in general and something I've personally gotten interested in. And so I kind of got into scouted football by listening to their podcast and I bought one of their handbooks, which has like 20 profiles on young upcoming sort of left field footballers that people don't know much about. And I thought maybe there's a wee gap for something kind of similar within cricket, which is my main sport and passion. So yeah, I just started it just under a year ago, maybe. I think maybe I had it for 10 or 11 months now and just started with a podcast, progressed on our website and then produced my first kind of magazine a couple of months ago. So that's kind of how it all came about, really. I really should have the magazine in front of me so that when you say it, I could have put it up <laughs> and done a promotion for you. But I think it's downstairs on my sofa at the moment. But I do have your magazine. I really like <laughs> it. And so obviously, if anyone likes Ronan stuff, go over, buy his magazine. There's some really interesting stuff there. What do you make so far of the sort of the state of cricket scouting? It feels very, very amateur to me at the moment. Yeah, I think it's something that's possibly got a lot of room for growth. And there's some people that I like personally after speaking to Dan Weston, who people may be familiar with from his work with Westershire and most recently Birmingham Phoenix in the 100. After speaking to him, he speaks about it with so much knowledge and passion. He seems to be, seems to be like a kind of step ahead of people in the way that he thinks about the game and a lot of his ideas, it's... Good to have seen that his ideas he got to put to use in the 100 and got that trust with him. And a lot of the ideas that he spoke about seemed to really pay off. So I think it's something that we'll see more of in the future and something that will kind of really grow as an industry, I think. And are you more interested at the moment in working in the media side and building up your little empire? Or tomorrow you get a call from Hampshire and say, can you come down here and help us find players? You're on the first plane down, train down, I don't know, however you get down from Scotland. Yeah, I suppose a bit of both, really. I've always had an interest in kind of the scouting stuff. I played a lot of football manager growing up and still play it a lot just now. So finding young players and that, I think everyone familiar with that game will, will know where I'm coming from there. And yeah, just kind of putting that to use in cricket. And then I studied sports journalism at uni. So just kind of experience with writing and making sort of content kind of that way as well. So they're kind of both things that I kind of have a sort of equal interest in really and something that I'm pretty passionate about and hoping to develop further as, as time goes on. Yeah, well, anyone who's, who knows about Football Manager will hopefully have played International Cricket Captain, which is the cricket version. Not quite as advanced as Football Manager, to be fair, but I always found it a lot of fun. Let's talk about, like, when you're watching cricket, are you trying to watch as much as you can or are you trying to talk to as many people as possible or are you trolling stat sites? How are you finding the younger players coming through? I've just kind of started watching a lot more cricket in the past, maybe two or three years, I find myself kind of watching it a little bit differently now. I would normally just kind of sit back on the sofa and just enjoy it for what it is. But now I'm kind of watching it where I sort of 
a different kind of spin on things, just looking for players who offer something slightly different or someone who just catches the eye or, you know, stands out that bit extra and seeing why it is they stand out and what it is they kind of do. So, yeah, I find myself watching it a bit differently, which is pretty interesting as well and just kind of comes from there, really, I suppose. Just kind of that kind of analytical eye comes into things more. It's really interesting. I remember going from being like an amateur to being a blogger. So you're still an amateur fan, but you're writing about it and it completely changes the way that you train your eye over time. I don't work with really any young analysts, but I work with a lot of young sports writers trying to train them to look at the game in a different way. So it's really interesting that you've been doing that. And the other thing is that you're looking for something different. I mean, you are literally at that stage, aren't you? You're trying to find talent in places that might be overlooked. You're trying to find skills that maybe people haven't rated yet and all those sorts of things when you're scouting, aren't you? Yeah, you're kind of, I suppose, looking for that player that offers something different, especially young players coming through, you know, with younger players, a couple of bad games and it can see them kind of maybe drop out a side or kind of come in and out. But if the teams trust their abilities and skills, which obviously they've noticed, then it kind of makes a massive difference. So, yeah. So I asked you what you wanted to talk about on this podcast and you came up with five young players that you wanted to talk about. You've you've already scouted all these guys, right? This knock is coming up with it off the top of your head when I ask questions, are you? Yeah, I've got some notes down that I've got about them all. So <laughs> I've been kind of digging away. I will be probing you deeply. I don't want you to suddenly uh, feel like I'm attacking you. I will, <laughs> I will try and attack you if I can, mate, mm-hmm. but let's keep it normal. The first one's Will Jacks, who um, is a Surrey player. He's really interesting for me because... I sort of grew as a cricket writer by covering Surrey. So I moved to the UK in 2008, around the corner from the Oval. Stuart Meeker and Chris Jordan and all the sort of younger, talented players that came through. Even guys like Tim Lindley, who didn't quite make it to the next level. Like I had notes on all these people. I probably still have more notes written on Gary Wilson than Gary Wilson realises that are actually written on him, right? And by 2012, 2013, I don't follow Surrey cricket as much because I can't go down to the Oval because I'm covering international cricket all the time. And so Will Jackson's one of those guys that kind of happened in my blind spot of Surrey cricketers. So to start with, what's his role at the moment as you see it? Well, he offers quite a unique role. Well, with the bat, he's simply just predominantly as an opening batter and his boundary hitting in the power play, kind of 360 around the pitch is what his kind of main strength is. And then as a, a bowler as well, I think 2020 was a, a really successful year for him with the ball. I think that got him the PCA MVP award for the season, although his bowling this year seems to have kind of taken a back seat, which is interesting, but he predominantly bowls his spin within the power play, so creates a bit of pressure early on, can be useful for matchups with his option as well. But it's his, his boundary hitting that's the kind of main spark for him. I think his boundary percentage in the blast this year was 29%, which is kind of way above the normal standard, which I think would kind of ballpark would be just above 20 probably. So the fact that he's so high is, well, he's way above that. Almost one in three balls he faces goes to the boundary. So that's a pretty ridiculous stat. I think him and Tom Banton in the blast were kind of miles above the the other. So that's kind of his his main standout, just his boundary hitting at the top of the order. I'd Love to see him if he was able to stay at the crease for maybe 20 balls more than what he normally does because it could just accelerate his kind of innings so much. Because I think in the 100, his top score was only 44. Although he did have a reasonably good tournament with Oval Invincibles. But again, if he was able to just stay at the crease for that little extra few overs for how dangerous he is, it kind of take him to that next level. 
So he's a power hitter who does a little bit of bowling. How many overs are you going to get from him in a normal T20 game, do you think? Well, last year he was quite a kind of front line bowler for Surrey in the tournament, but this year he's kind of came back. He's maybe only bowling two. Maybe if his first over goes well in the power play, he'll get a second or depending on the situation. I had a look at his stats for the 100. I think he only bowled three sets of five in the whole tournament, so he really wasn't used, although they had a lot of other spin options anyway, with like Narayan, I think was kind of there. Narayan and Shamsi. Yeah. Like, sorry, can we get some more overs out of Will Jacks? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So just kind of those two overs possibly. And if things are going well, we can get four. But it kind of depends who's in the team as the frontline spinners as well mm. for how much he'll bowl. And what's his ceiling? Are we talking England player, IPL player? Or are we talking decent sort of rotation sort of player in the 100 and maybe Bangladesh Premier League and T20. I'm trying to think of another a league worse, you know, a big bash fill-in type player. Like, where do you see him in three to five years? I think he definitely has the potential to be an option for England. But I think, as we all know, their depth of bat and talent is endless. So it's really difficult to break in. But I think he's definitely got the abilities to play international cricket. He's maybe just a bit unlucky with how much depth England have got with their batting and how everyone's doing so well whoever they seem to give a shot seems to take the opportunity with both hands like Phil Salt in the recent series with Pakistan with a kind of COVID outbreak he got his chance and he batted really well so he's kind of down the pecking order but it's something that he can definitely has the ability to to make the step up to he played obviously in the BBL with Hobart Hurricanes last winter probably didn't have the tournament he wanted to wasn't as effective as he was in the blast but maybe that's something he can get another opportunity in another kind of similar tournaments around the circuit and really kick on but do you see him as a one in four overseas players in an IPL team or is he not quite at that level do you think not yet but I think he could with the way that he plays in England is something that teams will definitely take notice of he's probably quite far down the list to like be a frontline opening batter in the IPL, just with the depth of batting that can India have as well. It's difficult to kind of break in there too, but I think he can do it. So yeah, hopefully you can see him continue to progress. Beautiful. I obviously said to you, you know, come up with your list of five players and you obviously got confused and just thought I meant as many people named Will as possible. But we now have Will Smead. Tell me about Will Smead. Where's he from? He plays with Somerset in the county circuit. He kind of made his debut, I think, at the back end of the 2020 season against Worcestershire. But this year, he got more opportunities in the blast. He wasn't like a regular in the team. I think he kind of came in in the latter stages and he impressed without setting the world light. But I think people noticed that he has something about him. And then Dan Weston picked him up with Birmingham and his first game, I think he got 45 from like 13 balls or something. And he just kind of announced himself and showed it wasn't really like a fluke knock either. He had a really solid 100 uh, and kicked on. And he's someone who is quite a predominant six hitter as well. I think he hit 10 sixes to 13 fours in the 100, which is a pretty solid ratio for six hitting and 15 sixes to 25 fours in the blast. So it's six hitting as well. Good ratio, yeah. I think his boundary percentage was good as well in the blast. It was 22 and in the 100 it was up at 24. But I'd made a graph which showed how the under-24 batters in the blast who'd scored 200 runs or more were actually getting the runs, who's the kind of strike rotators and who's the, the ones hitting the boundaries. So 
His boundary percentage was pretty solid at 22. There's only a handful of players higher than that, but his non-boundary strike rate, so when he's not hitting boundaries, is he rotating strike or is he eating up dot balls? His non-boundary strike rate was only 51, so he's eating up quite a few dot balls. He was one of the lower non-boundary strike rate, but then in the 100, his boundary percentage was up at 24, and his non-boundary strike rate went up to 73. So it shows that in that small space of time, has he possibly done something? Has he been told to do something to kind of mm. adapt his game a bit more? But he seems to be someone who continues to improve and kind of came from nowhere, really. So, yeah, he's one to really keep an eye on. That original record that you talked about in the blast, that's more like what you would expect from a West Indian. So a lot of them have strike rates around 120, 130, which are not spectacular, but it's because there's so many dot balls and so many sixes. It's like that combination, isn't it? And then the next one that you're talking about, that's more towards the sort of AB de Villiers, Glenn Maxwell level of where there's no dot balls and you're still hitting a lot of boundaries, which is kind of, I suppose, the dream, unless you're just Andre Russell who can have dot balls and it's fine. Where are you going to bat him? Does he have any flexibility or is he a top order player, middle order player? A bit, yeah. He batted three for Somerset in the blast. And then when he came into the Birmingham team, they had so much flexibility within their lineup that they could almost bat anyone anywhere. And in his first game, he opened, which I didn't really expect him to open because I think they previously went with Miles Hammond. Obviously, Finn Allen was there. They had Moeen Ali in their ranks. I think the list was endless of their batting lineup. But he slotted in as an opener, so he anywhere in the top three he could potentially be someone who could be used as a finisher as well but I think to get the best out of him seems to be get him in for as long as possible so he can hit as many boundaries as he can now his career is quite early do you see him as a potential top level C20 franchise player like an IPL player or is he probably more maybe the level below I mean he's he's grown so quickly it's I know it's hard for you to put your hat on but you had to guess where do you think he sort of tops out yeah, as you said, it's hard to tell just now because it's quite a small sample size that you've got to work with. But from what he's shown, there's quite a lot to kind of build on. Maybe the big bash would be the next kind of step for him. It's hard to tell if that's going to be his peak or if he's going to kick on from there. Because we saw like Tom Banton have an electric start mm. to his career and then he kind of went out of form for a while and dropped back down. Whether that happens with Smead, a fellow Somerset player as well, or if... He can continue to kick on, which is hard to do, especially for someone who's only 19 years old as well. To be achieved what he has already is pretty ridiculous. But I think Big Bash is the kind of next step. It's kind of hard to look too far into the future for where he'll be. But you'd like to see someone like that in, a, in an IPL jersey. But I think there's a long way to go to get there. Yeah. Well, I think because he's 19 as well, he, he might play in some of the smaller leagues as well. I'm trying to think of which one of them is actually left running because the Euro one's gone. The Afghan one might be back, I think. So it's a, I reckon that's a really good chance for him to really see where he can go and how his skills can translate. The other interesting thing is that you've had, that you know, as you said, with him and Banton, there's been a couple of Somerset guys coming through and that's the pitch that actually spins the most in England. It's interesting to see if that means that that will translate when they go overseas because so many of these leagues are spin dependent. But I suppose we'll have to see if if that's a thing going forward. Finally, we're away from our wills. I've got Ashmead Ned. Tell me about Ashmead Ned. Yeah, so he's a, a left arm spinner from Guyana. Did well with the West Indies under-19s, the last under-19 World Cup. He's quite a defensive bowler. I think he said himself he's someone who likes to build pressure. And I think in the team for the upcoming Caribbean Premier League, he's part of a really exciting spin attack. He's got himself as a slow left armer, Kevin Sinclair, who's right arm off break, and Imran Tahir, leg spinner. 
and all of them are capable of bowling in the power play or the middle overs. The main thing with Ned that stands out the most is his, uh, his economy rate. I think he's only played four T20s at the moment in the last CPL, but his economy rate is 4.86, which is really good. And I think in 50 over, he's played a lot of the regional Super 50 in the West Indies. I think he won it with the West Indies emerging team. And then he played the last tournament. I think he was at the Leeward Island Hurricanes. And I don't know if the top of my head exactly what his economy rate is, but it's in the threes. So it's really good. And I think... The fact that he's had a, a look back at the Guyana scorecards from the last CPL and both him, Sinclair and Tahir all dependent on what the opposition batsmen were. Sometimes one of them would open the ball and the others would be used in the middle. So they have a really kind of diverse and versatile spin attack. So he's someone who's there to, to keep an eye on. It'll be interesting to see how they line up if they're able to fit all those three into the same team at once or if they'll rotate them. But yeah, he looks like someone... He's not been included in the West Indies T20 squad yet. I think he's got a couple of people above him in the pecking order, but he's certainly someone who, who isn't far away. And I think we saw with Jaden Seals in the test team that the West Indies aren't scared to give young players a go mm. with the kind of lack of experience because Jaden Seals might not have even played a first-class game before he made his test debut. And I think uh, Ned's only played four T20s and he's not far away from breaking into their one-day side. I can tell you exactly what everyone will say about him if he comes through. They'll say that what's his record like away from Guyana? Because as I'm known to refer to that pitch, the Guyana glue pit is brilliant for spinners. So the really interesting thing for him is if his numbers hold up away as well. Is he like a strong, tall left arm finger spinner like Suleiman Ben or, you know, Ashley Giles? Or is he more like an Asian style left arm finger spinner? No, he's more like Ben and Giles. He's quite a big chap he's got the bill to be a, a strap and seamer but both spin but another thing that stands out with him as well is just the the lack of boundaries that he concedes as he says he likes to build up pressure and that can be shown in his numbers as well i think he's bowled 15 overs in t20 cricket and only gave away five boundaries so he's someone who can really kind of build up pressure eat up dot balls and then if he's doing that at one end and he's got imran to here who's an attacking spin bowler at the other end it's just yeah a recipe for success i think my memory of him from my notes is that he can't bat at all, like physically almost can't bat at that kind of level. When was the last time we had a left-arm finger spinner who can't bat sort of play on the franchise circuit? I can't think of many guys who've really done that. I'm trying to think of any, because Michael Behan never really travelled despite the fact no one in Australia ever hit him. Then you've got guys like Imad Wazim who can bat. It really just doesn't seem to be a thing. There was, I remember Chris Lamont, who played for St. Lucia. Did he play for Jamaica after that? I'm trying to think. He, he played for another CPL team. I always thought he was a fantastic bowler. He played for us at St. Lucia. I watched him in the nets. He just basically didn't get a go because there was always like a Fabian Allen or someone like Hodge who was coming through who could bat bowl field. That's going to be his biggest problem, isn't it? It's not going to be his talent. It's going to be whether people take a punt on a left-arm finger spinner from the West Indies. So he's going to need an economy rate of about four to get noticed, isn't he? Yeah, he does because I think yeah, he's a, a number 11. Tahir as well, he's probably similar. He's, well, in, in the Guyana team, obviously building for the future to get him into other teams that may hold him back, yeah. But if he's sitting with an economy rate of four in T20 teams, then a lot of people stand up and notice that. But mm. obviously that's a small sample size as well. So it'll be interesting to see once he gets a, a full tournament under his belt, what those numbers look like. But so far, they're pretty promising. 
Yeah, definitely. Now we're going to talk about Josh Little, who is the Irish left-arm fast bowler. I'm interested in Josh Little. I don't know if you know this, but I recently did a study into how much teams use left-arm pace. And I think that Ireland were dead last as far as how much left-arm pace they did. And I put a tweet out saying, what's with the lack of left-armers in Ireland? And I think Josh Little had just started his career at that time and Cricket Ireland tweeted back very aggressively going, Settle down. <laughs> We're sorting it out. So tell me a little bit about him. Yeah, he's left on quick, as he said. He's someone who's like full of energy and enthusiasm. They could remember him in the recent series with South Africa's celebrations when he gets a wicket and gets the airplane celebration out. <laughs> so someone who's kind of full of passion for the game. And he's someone who will, I think in the upcoming T20 World Cup, he'll be their main death bowler. I noticed in the recent two games with South Africa and T20s, I originally thought he would have been someone who would bowl like a top and tail, like two in the power play, two at the death. But I think in both those South Africa games, he came on to begin with after the power play. He'd bowl two overs mm. between like over seven and 12. And then he'd bowl like overs 17, 19 or 18 and 20. And it's his, his Yorkers at the death as a left armer. I think he comes round the wicket at the death and tries to, to nail his Yorkers. He comes around the wicket, I would say, way more than most left-arm seamers do. It's clearly part of his game. I can't remember many games when I've watched him play when he hasn't bowled around the wicket, it, quite often at the death, but even quite often early on as well. It seems to be a real uh, skill of his. Yeah, he does. He can kind of bowl the wide yorkers or get them in at the stumps and kind of uses the width of the crease to change the angles. And he's someone who gets a lot of shape on the ball as well. Uh, remember his, one of his wickets where he got Van der Dusen out in the recent series. I think he bowled two in-swingers at David Miller, which kind of both cut him open and then Miller got a single. And then Van der Dusen, the next ball, he just pushed it across him and nicked him off. So that's kind of your perfect setup as a left-arm seamer coming in, in and then away and getting your wicket. So, yeah, he's someone who's want to keep an out for in the, the World Cup for them. It'll be quite pivotal to how they go. I did notice that his economy rate's just a touch under nine. It gets 8.96. So that's something that we'll be looking to, to kind of get down uh, and lower. But I suppose when you're bowling at the death as well, that's when everyone's just going to try and smash you around the park. Because I think in one of those T20s against South Africa, I think David Miller maybe hit him for like three sixes in the last over. So only 21, that'll probably come with experience as well. But the way he goes around the pitch was kind of enthusiasm and as uh, Yorkers as well, he's one to keep an eye on. Yeah, well, I mean, he is a real genuine strike bowler. And I think you and I know from T20 cricket, people talk about strike bowlers a lot, but there actually aren't that many. Most bowlers sort of default to try and be conservative. And so he's taking his wickets, I think, every 20 or 22 balls or something around there, which is phenomenal. What do you think his pace is? He seems quick to me. I remember Crick Info or Crick Buzz saying fast medium. I thought he was probably pushing fast when I saw him. Yeah, I think off the top of my head, he was maybe like 85 plus in that South Africa series. I can't remember if BT Sport had the spin gun, but it seems to spring to mind that was roughly what he would be. But he does seem like a genuine quick who also can shape it as well, which is quite unique for him too. And as you said, when being a strike board, I think that was the main thing in the ODIs with them. They would bring them back that kind of difficult stage around 30-ish sort of overs to get wickets. I think William Plunkett was really good at that for England uh, a few years ago, coming around those sort of overs. So he's someone who can, who can do that as well. He seems to be their kind of go-to man when they need a wicket. I'm really interested in him because I think he's a potential IPL bowler. I think because he's left arm and he's quick and he can move it, that combination, there's... If I was going to say, if there was a like for like at the moment, it's probably someone like Mitchell McLennigan, where you know that 
Mitch is going to go for a few extra runs, but you also know that if he runs through a team, he basically wins the game for you. So I think there's a real comp there between him and McLennigan. And I could see that an IPL team who's got a pretty good lineup might just have him on their list as their backup left-arm bowler for when there's a good matchup or something or when you think the ball might swing and throw him in. I don't think he's ever going to be a frontline IPL player. I'm not, you know, unless he develops incredibly from here on in, but I think he's going to be a bit expensive to be a frontline IPL player. But I can certainly see him in some of the other leagues around the world getting jobs in a similar way. Maybe Waha Reyes is another very good comp for him where you're just like, okay, he's going to have bad days and it's going to be ugly. But when he gets it right, it's probably going to win us a game. So it's, it's worth doing that. So for him, it would have been great to play in the Euro League had that gone ahead, if that will ever go ahead, if that's still a thing. I'm still waiting for my paycheck from the first one. But it'd be really interesting to see how he develops going ahead. And your last player, not another Will, thankfully, is Ramanala Gubaz. Tell me about him. Yeah, he's an Afghanistan keeper batsman, open to the batting. And I'm just kind of waiting on him having his proper breakthrough to announce himself. He's doing really well for Afghanistan. And he's been picked up in some tournaments, but just maybe not got the breaks. He's played in the Bangladesh League in Sri Lanka and also in the UAE as well. He was picked up by Multan Sultans in the PSL when it came back after COVID for the kind of second phase of the tournament. Mm-hmm. And I thought, oh, here we go, he's going to get his chance. But I think he only played one game and he got three and then he was never seen again. So that was a bit disappointing. And then he was also picked up by St. Kitts for the CPL coming up, but he's no longer playing in that. Although Afghanistan do have a series coming up against Pakistan, which will hopefully kind of get to, to see him at his best. And then in the World Cup, um, I think that would be the perfect opportunity where you know he's going to get games and that's his real chance on the, the world stage to show what he's all about. So he's an opener that's similar to like Will Jackson, Will Speed, that likes to smash boundaries. And he's equally as strong against pace as he is against spin. I think his strike rate against pace is 161 and against spin it's 156. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, look, I've heard a lot about him. He just hasn't come along. Who's the other Afghanistani wicketkeeper who played in the World Cup who's about the same age? Is it Zadran, maybe? I think he played... Did he play... When they played the test matches against Zimbabwe, I'm sure there was a young keeper, but his name escapes me. Oh, it's not Zadran, but I... They both came through at the same time, and one of them Mm. is probably perfect for test cricket the other one's perfect for t20 cricket and they'll probably end up fighting each other for the one day role going ahead but it's really interesting that they've got a, a couple of young keeper batters because for a long time they basically had Muhammad Shazad waddling around Muhammad Shazad's probably 50 and was still playing so it's really interesting that he's come through but as you said he hasn't quite done it I would say he's kind of a short form opener and by that I mean you're not going to expect him to average 30, 35, 40, are you? You know, he's more in the mould of maybe someone like what Michael Lum used to be or maybe Luke Gronke, where you just like, if he averages 25, he might get you that 25 off 12 to 17 balls, so it's worth it. That seems to be where his head's at at the moment. But that happens a lot with younger players as well, and he's incredibly young, isn't he? Yeah, he is, yeah. And as you said, those kind of 25 off not many balls is probably where he'll be at, but he is capable of batting longer periods. He scored his maiden ODI ton against Ireland during the winter. I think he has a, a 99 in T20 cricket in the, the Afghanistan League where he won that tournament as well and he captained the side. So to be a captain, who's maybe only like 18 years old at the time, maybe shows a lot about how he is. He's maybe mature above his years or whatever those cliches are. But if he is a captain <laughs> of that age, then that does show that's another 
facet to his game that works in his favour as well. For me, I'm going to get you to rank them in a, in a minute, but I think for me, he's a certain IPL player. And the reason I think he's a certain IPL player is he has the backup skill of the wicketkeeping, but it's the pace of which he can score off spin, which I think is going to be his big one. So there aren't that many people with a strike rate of 150 against spin. Now, that's probably, although Afghanistani spinners are quite good, that's still going to be against a lot of junk spin. It's not going to be against a lot of great spin, which is completely fair. But I think in his particular case, if he can transfer that, we've already seen what Nicholas Perron did with basically a similar kind of average because of his ability to hit spin, people really backed him. So my guess is that he is an IPL player, but I'm not going to get you to talk about that yet. What I want you to do, as far as impact on the game, how would you rank these five guys? And we're talking about in 10 years' time, not now. I'll go Gurbaz first. I think he has the ceiling to make it to the top the most. Um, I think I'd go Ned at five, and then the other three... Could be anywhere, so I'll need to pick some sort of order. Maybe Jack's at second because of his off-spin option as well. Mm-hmm. Smead doesn't have the, the bowling option to provide something else to the team. We'll go Josh Whittle third because he's a left armour, which offers something a bit different as well. And Smead fourth. He's only played a handful of games, but it could all change, could be completely wrong. But yeah, I think I'd go Gurbaz, Jacks, Whittle, Smead, Ned. I think that makes sense because I think that Looking at the players now, we know that Jax is not going to be terrible. He's already played in the Big Bash. He's already, you know, he's the most developed sort of player on on the list Mm. that you've got here. We know that as good as Ned will be, the biggest problem is is how he's going to fit into teams. It's not that he can't play. Very nice of you to not put the Irish player last, which is not how all Scottish analysts would have gone uh, when (laughs) making their uh, particular team. But, mate, thanks so much for coming on. Really looking forward to the next magazine and everything you do. You've got your own podcast as well. But if anyone is interested, it's Jaden Searles on the front cover of your first magazine, isn't it? It is, yeah. I've got one here. Here we go. So I don't have to go downstairs. There There it is. (laughs) Scouting cricket. Who have you got in there? Give us a quick run through. Who are the players? Got Shaheen Shah Freedy, Finn Allen, Oliver Davis, Gareth Delaney, Bas Deleda, Cameron Green, Ramanua Gurbaz, Afif Hussain, Sandeep Lamashane, Tom McIntosh, Dan Mousley, Vian Mulder, Ashby Ned, Patum Nisanka, Matthew Potts, Jaden Seals, Alishan Sharafu, and Kartik Tiagi. And since you've done that, like Jaden Seals has obviously had a breakthrough. Some of the other guys, Matthew Potts has had a bit of a yeah. breakthrough. So you've obviously already picked some young players who've done well already, which is part of the gig as well. But I, no, I, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoy your work so much. I mean, we focused on T20 players there, but you know, you've got obviously got guys like Cameron Green and some more test playing players in there. But thanks so much for coming on the podcast. No problem. Really enjoyed it. Thanks very much for having me. Thanks for listening to Red Inca. There is more information on my guests available in the show notes, including their Twitter profiles, if they have one. This is the important bit, though. Please review on Apple Podcasts or anywhere, really. Share it on all the social medias and just get it out there. If you can, act it out in plays on your balcony with your loved ones. This podcast is made possible by the people who support us at Patreon, so thanks to those who already do. And there is a link to Patreon in the show notes as well. Red Inca is made by me, Jared Kimber. Nick McCorriston makes everything sound better for your ears and the theme tune is called The Prisoner by the Red Crickets.
If you're enjoying Red Inca but want to know more about Fred Spoffer's moustache or the time Vizzy got stumped looking like a buffoon or any other great stories from cricket's past, well, I have a history of cricket podcast called Double Century. This time we look at something that will please cricket fans around the world, except maybe from one country, because we're looking at the first time teams defeated England. It's a different kind of podcast series in that it's mostly narrated, but there will also be some key episodes that I'm interviewing the players involved. You can hear this by finding Double Century in your favourite podcast app.